On the prequel to the 22nd episode, we're discussing the very non-controversial topic of gender roles and previewing The Stepford Wives. Hello and welcome back to the prequel to the 22nd episode of This Film is Lit. We're not reviewing anything this week. We haven't seen anything. Mm-hmm. On our next episode, I'm sure... Our next prequel episode, although we'll probably do a special episode, because I believe Solo comes out this week? It comes out the 25th, doesn't it? Sorry, then two weeks. So then it probably will be for our prequel episode, right? <laughs> Eventually we'll be doing Solo. But this episode, we're just going to get right into learning things with This Film is Lit and discuss gender roles. No matter what anybody tells you, Words and ideas can change the world. I think maybe this week it's a little less learning right. things and a little more we clarify our terms. Yes. Um, I'm not personally qualified to discuss gender theory in any like uh, deep and no. a very educated way. <laughs> I think that's a good uh, thing to sort of preface this discussion with is that we did a very minimal amount of research. To kind of clarify some terms and kind of more discuss what we mean when we say things like gender and gender roles and that sort of thing. It's obviously a very expansive topic with lots of research. Uh, I think the things that we are going to talk about are very much supported by current uh, understanding of sociologists and people that study gender and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. From what I've read, Uh, this is sort of the widely held academic opinion on what gender and gender roles are, but obviously it's a contentious topic. So Yes, and we are approaching it in a pretty simplified yes. way. And by when I, yeah, that's, yes. Um, but even our simplified way, I know there are people that take issue with it, uh, mainly people Always. who are uneducated on the topic, but <laughs> that's a discussion for maybe... The main episode, but we'll, we'll see what happens when we get there. So let's talk about it, Katie. What are gender roles? Um, well, I what are we talking I, about when we talk I about gender to, roles? To talk about gender roles and to kind of clarify what we mean when we're discussing gender roles, because I started reading the Stepford Wives. Mm-hmm. Last week, and I got about five pages in, and I texted you, and I said, "I think we're going to have to talk about gender roles." Yep. <laughs> Which makes sense. I mean, I, the, what very little I know about the Stepford Wives, that absolutely yeah. makes sense that that is an important facet, uh, an angle of the commentary of the story, and what we're going to need to be able to discuss to, to talk about it. So Yes. Um, okay, so I think a p- good place to start um, is by clarifying that gender and sex aren't the same thing. Yes. Um, they sound like they're the same and thing. And they're often used interchangeably right, they are, in sort yes. of common... Yes, and in common vernacular, yes. they are used interchangeably, but as concepts, they actually aren't interchangeable. They're two different things. They're two different terms that describe two different things. Yes. Um, Already people are mad. I know. <laughs> I don't know how many of our listeners are mad, but there are people who... That very simple sentence would make them very There are people mad. whose like spider senses just went off no. as I said those words. Again, I don't know how many of our <laughs> listeners would fall into that category, but who knows? Um. So, and again, I want to 
couch this by saying this is a very, very, very simplified, simplified, yeah, um, explanation of the distinction between yes. gender and sex. Yeah. Um, it it is supported by academia yeah. again, but also very, very simplified. Yes. So sex, um, that's your parts, mm-hmm. right? Your bits. <clears throat> um, gender, on the other hand, is uh, the label that you're given based on what your parts are, right? So, uh, and more, I think more, and not to go too expansively, but I think it's important to add not just the, the label given what, what your parts are, but also um, relates to uh, the sort of social structure, the sex based social structure we live in, and how you identify all. Plays a role, right? I, when I think with that distinction, we're getting into gender roles. I wouldn't say so because I, I would say that I mean maybe we're getting more into gender identity as opposed to right. gen, the word gender by itself. But I still I, I would clarify that it that the bare minimum uh, of information needed to determine what somebody's gender is or how they identify as their gender is the parts. But that's also like one of the least important in terms of gender. Because to me, gender is the socially constructed word terms we use for different uh, extremes of masculine or feminine within our, our culture. Right. Socially constructed. Yes. Yeah. And, and my point being that your parts aren't really that important to your gender, in my opinion. Right. But the label that society gives to you, yes. right, the socially constructed label is largely based on yeah. what kind of parts you have. Right. Right, I'm just clarifying the distinction between sex and gender because sex is very much absolutely determined is is a naturalistically determined thing of like okay, what are your what what uh chromo- not chromosomes, but um yeah, chromosomes. I can't even remember the right word for it. I'm going for, it. Mm-hmm. but you know, whatever your genetically determined right. sort of bits and whatever are versus gender being a a taking that and then constructing a bunch of stuff on top of it with how with social um, structure and and again how you identify or so how people identify. Would you feel safe saying um, then sex is like kind of the biological component? That's the way I've always heard it described in academia. Is that and and from the discussions I've always seen on this topic is that it's sex is the biological mm-hmm. component. It is the the there's not really a lot of argument. There are things obviously like intersex and. And, uh, I don't know all the right proper terms for it. There, it's not just male and female necessarily. There's like I said, the intersex and some right, other stuff. Right, of course. But it is genetically based. It is uh, the the biology part of it. Mm-hmm. And to me, gender, and again, this is the controversial somewhat part to some people, uh, is the is is beyond that. It takes that. It's kind of like your your know your parts. The the sex is sort of the baseline. Yes. Information that then we stack a bunch of other stuff on top of. Yes. And then that becomes what we call the, the, whatever gender we've decided on as as a culture. That, right. Or whatever genders we've decided on as a culture exist, which for the Western American culture, generally speaking, is male and female. But that's traditionally, I said, male and female, but or masculine and feminine. And then there's obviously a continuum. Yes, a spectrum. A spectrum. So we've got... Two different terms describing two different things, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. Sex is 
you have a vagina, gender is, therefore you must like playing with dolls and the color pink. Yes. Okay. It's, yeah, this, this, this societal construct on top of right. your biological sex. Or, and based on tradition and, and all kinds and, of things. Uh, and and, and, and all, kinds of things. Of, all kinds of things. Uh, some of it, to some extent, is, is biological differences, potentially, and that's a whole can of worms. But yes, based on a bunch, a whole bunch of different things, gender is these labels. Right. Or, or maybe not labels, concepts that we... Yeah, labels, concepts, ideas yeah. Um, that we kind of assign to people. Mm-hmm. And they can assign to themselves, but right. But yes, but that's that's complicating it even more. That complicates it even more. <laughs> but it's again, it's complicated. So yeah. I, I think this, yeah. I mean, we can try to simplify it. But there's not really a way to simplify it. It's it is complicated. But so, yeah, so those are the two things. So gender roles. Then a gender role is a role that a person is expected to fulfill based on that label or concept or idea of their gender. Um, so sometimes that might be like a literal role. Mm-hmm. Like we might expect women more so to be homemakers. We might expect men more so to be breadwinners. Right. And those are literal roles that mm-hmm. you fulfill yeah, yeah, yeah. within society. Yeah. It might have more to do with skill sets. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we might expect a man to know how to change a tire. Mm-hmm. But maybe we don't expect a woman to know that. We might expect a woman to know how to change a diaper, mm-hmm. but not expect that from a man. Yep. And then I think where it gets like a little bit stickier, and then maybe like people don't necessarily recognize it as much, is when we get down to stuff like demeanor. Like we might expect a woman to be like nurturing and motherly and kind. Mm-hmm. Um, we might expect a man to be stoic tough right yeah. um but we may not might not have the same expectation reversed yeah i think that's a pretty solid sort of summation of what we mean when we say gender role and what when we're discussing gender roles as it pertains to the stepford wives mm-hmm. that's kind of the stuff we're talking about and now it's a more expansive topic than that and there's a lot of facets and angles to it in the Stepford Wives, it is a very specific representation of gender and gender roles mm-hmm. that we're going to be sort of discussing. Right. We're going to specifically like a male-female binary. Yes. Um, maybe not so much getting into um, like gender identity. No. Um, no. Or- so, yeah, that's not really a relevant. This is a very traditional sort of like yeah. uh, a traditional pre 50s or 60s understanding of gender and gender roles um, when it was pretty much men, male, female. Right. Um, and, and then that really did start to change around the 50s or 60s. I know this book was written in the 70s, but but the representation is very much this sort of, from what it seems to me, a very, I, I don't know when the, the book takes place, but, uh, or if like a time period it takes place, is it in the 70s? It is in the okay. 70s. Well, but even still. Um, there, there was just sort of to be starting to be more and more research done about the topic of gender. Right. It really took off kind of in the 50s and 60s from what I understand, but it, it still so it was very new. And so it was still very common. And I mean, it is now even still to some extent to have it be this very binary expression of gender and mm-hmm. the gender roles associated with them. So, so that's a general sort of briefing 
on what we mean when we're going to be talking about gender and gender roles. Again, it's a complicated topic, and it's also it's very hard to talk about a topic like gender and gender roles simply <laughs> because it's not simple. Yeah, uh, it's very dynamic and it's very uh, complicated. Yeah, it's complex and it's multifaceted. Um, I just I want our listeners to be able to understand like the ideas basically that we're referring to, and yeah. I also I want to clarify that when we're talking about them, we are talking about a binary. Yeah. Um, because that's kind of what the story demands right. us to talk about. So we're not really talking about like non-binary um, gender identities. We're talking about like specifically or masculine agender, or feminine. All, yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and which, the, yeah, because, yeah, again, kind of what I said earlier, based on the, what is presented in the book mm-hmm. and the ideas presented, we're going to discuss it on the terms of the book right as opposed to early and it may go other places we'll see i we, i haven't watched it yet we haven't <laughs> talked but, and it may go other places uh and we may delve into more things about how the that false dichotomy is pro- uh problematic that mm-hmm. it that it does present issues and that it's that it's not a great idea to split that into such a hard binary right and because it causes issues with gender roles and all kinds of stuff but and so I'm sure the conversation will go there to some extent. But again, we're we're going to generally be discussing it in terms of man, woman, female gender roles, male gender roles, because that's what the book is talking about. Yeah. Let's move on and preview the Stepford Wives. Why are we moving? We're moving so that we can be the happiest family in the whole world. Welcome to Stepford. Stepford is the family paradise. It has no crime, no poverty, and no pushing. Good morning, ladies. Wait, you work out dressed like this? Of course. We always want to look our very best. I have, like, no fun facts. <laughs> I had a hard time finding fun facts, too. All my fun facts are also not fun facts. So so we haven't really even discussed this. We're doing the 2004. Yeah. There are two film versions. There are two film versions. And the 1975 is considered, like, a cult classic. And it is... Uh, a much better received film than the 2004 yeah. Stepford Wives. Now, I had initially planned on... I had planned on the 2004 because I couldn't find a copy of the 1975. Yeah. Now, I do think it's on YouTube. Yeah. So, if you want to watch it... And it may be interesting to one day go revisit it and do that one. To yeah. see, because it supposedly is such a better representation mm-hmm. of the material. Um, so just some. This is, we were talking about it today, trying to figure out which one we wanted to do. We decided to go with the 2004 one for a couple of reasons. One, we thought it might be more fun because it is kind of supposedly a terrible. Yeah. Uh, and they made a bunch of changes to it, which we'll talk about. But it sounds like they made a bunch of really interesting changes, which might be more interesting to talk about. Uh, but we also considered the 1975 one for a couple of reasons. One, it's supposed to be pretty good. Or relatively good. I mean, it's not like it's got amazing reviews or anything, but, Mm -hmm. you know, comparatively, it's supposed to be pretty good. Uh, And it was also written or adapted by William Goldman, who uh, Who wrote The Princess Bride. Bride And Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and all that stuff. So I thought that would be interesting to do another one of his films because we've only ever done The Princess Bride. Yeah, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, We're going to do the 2004 one. But first, let's talk about the book, Katie. What do you got? So the novel, it's a satirical thriller. 
by American novelist and playwright Ira Levin, who you also might know as the author of Rosemary's Baby. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. That's interesting. I've never seen or read Rosemary's Baby. Uh, I've seen part of Rosemary's Baby. I've never read it. It looked creepy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, His best known play, which I had never heard of, was called Death Trap. Um, But it holds the record as the longest-running comedy thriller on Broadway. So that's cool. And his first produced play was called No Time for Sergeants, and it launched the career of Andy Griffith. So Hmm. that's cool. There you go. Um, So The Stepford Wives published in 1972 from what couple of reviews I was able to find back from 1972. Um, I had to go into uh, the academic, um, what's the word I'm searching for? Journal? Or like... Oh, the databases. Oh, yeah. I had to actually go in. I work for a college. Yeah, that's what I mean. I had to actually go into the databases. Uh, I couldn't just Google it. (laughs) Um, So from the reviews I was able to find seems to have been pretty well received at the time, um, although it seems to have been thought of as somewhat pulpy and geared towards a mass audience, hmm. which is lit crit speak for common. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Saturday Review said that it lacked density and complexity and that it used a grade school level vocabulary <laughs> and a high school level <laughs> syntax, but that the author made it believable through emotional transfer. So there you go. What does he mean by emotional, or he or she mean by, um, they, what does they mean by emotional transfer? <laughs> 1972 book review, let's be real, it was probably a dude. But that's why I said he originally, <laughs> but then I realized I was assuming improperly and um, changed my mind. But. Emotional transfer... I'm not really sure. <laughs> okay. I, I was would, wondering. I mean, I've I would assume. I have honestly never heard that either. Um, I would assume that he's referring to, like, the tone that the author uses, right? Kind yeah. of like transferring emotions through the writing onto the reader. I, I, yeah. I'm uh, assuming just the emotional aspect of the story. Right. Coming the emotional across aspect well. of the story came across the, well. Because uh, I assume what he's trying to. Ethos? No. Pathos? Pathos. Yes. The pathos. Probably the author's pathos. Yes. Coming through to the reader. Um, yeah, ethos is Although we could, we could really get into lit crit theory. No, thank you. Author versus reader. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get there someday. Are we going to talk about uh, death okay. of the author? Death yeah. of the author, yeah. Levin once said in an interview that... The town that the fictional Stepford is based on is Wilton, Connecticut. He lived there in the 1960s, and apparently it shook him. So, <laughs> I mean, I feel like Connecticut in general seems is, right. Is the right? Yeah, yeah. it's sort of very milk toast. <laughs> it's kind of the vibe I get of Connecticut. <laughs> 
I feel like everybody in Connecticut has a sweater set and a tennis racket. Yeah. And they just walk around with yeah. them all it's day. Just, you, it's just there's not a more waspy white place. <laughs> oh, that's redundant. But there's yeah. not a more waspy <laughs> state than Connecticut to me like that, that I can think of. And for those of you who don't know, WASP stands for white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Or, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's just sort of like old money, rich, white. Yeah. Or not even necessarily rich, but just kind of old money, white people. New like, England. Yeah, New English, of, white people. Yeah. Vaguely Christian. Yeah. I feel like we're going to get a bunch of angry people from Connecticut. I know. I, I'm sure it's lovely. <laughs> I've never been, but something about it. I think it's just, it's, I'm sure it's just media. It like, Because, like, yeah, you only ever hear about Connecticut. It's always where, like, this is what it is. It's always where, like, in movies where there's like a a, a snobby douchey guy, yeah, like white guy. He his family's always from Connecticut or vacations in Connecticut. I don't know why you would vacation in Connecticut, <laughs> but they probably have nice like I'm hills sure it's or nice something. in the summer. Yeah. Well, wouldn't that be sense. funny? We covered the highly controversial topic of gender roles if all of the angry responses were about our opinions on Connecticut. That would yeah. <laughs> um so last fun fact. The term Stepford wife has entered common usage in the English language. It did so after the publication of his book, generally used as a derogatory term for a submissive and docile wife who conforms to in a in a subservient role to her husband's interests. Yep. So uh, the entering of the term Stepford wives into common parlance is the only thing I is the only way I knew anything about yeah. this yeah, book slash movie. It's uh, context clues, because yeah. you know how people use the term. Yeah, and I just knew what what the term meant, and so I assumed vaguely what the movie was about. Cool. Well, in that case, let's talk about the 2004 Stepford Wise film. Imagine if you could streamline your spouse, overhaul every physical flaw. Right, like I said, came out in 2004, uh, directed by, and this, I had no idea, it was directed by Frank Oz. I saw that. Which, for the, I mean, assuming most people know, Frank Oz is famous for a lot of things, but most notably, he's the voice of, like, most of the Muppets. <laughs> he's the voice of Yoda. Yeah. He also directed uh, a fair number of other films. I, I want to say he directed... Crystal. He directed one of those Muppet movies. Either The Dark Crystal or Labyrinth. Uh, yeah, one yeah. of them, I'm pretty sure. Frank Oz directed The Dark Crystal, The Muppets Take Manhattan, Little Shop of Horrors, The Ending in the Cupboard, and The Stepford Wives, among a few others. But, uh, so this movie was a disaster. Yeah, it doesn't have a good, uh... It has like, a 26% yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Uh, there were in a ton of problems on set. Ooh. Everybody apparently was hated everybody. There was all kinds of fights, uh, which is disappoint or upsetting for Nicole Kidman because she apparently one of the main reasons she took the role was because Frank Oz was directing it and oh. she loved uh, Miss Piggy mm-hmm. and one and she said this is the closest I'll ever get to working with. <laughs> Or something like that, just to, like it worked with Frank Oz, and they apparently had a very poor relationship oh, on the no. side of the film. Uh, she almost left the project, uh, but that was supposedly more to do with rewrites and not mm-hmm. liking the rewrites because hmm. it was heavily re-edited and rewritten 
because it was test screened a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. And they would literally, they would screen it and then they would go back and rewrite it and reshoot stuff and keep doing it. And it just, it Yikes. just turned into a giant mess. And apparently there's a bunch of continuity errors because of it. And it just, you completely lose like the whole point of the movie essentially well i can only imagine that that would be like trying to heavily edit a book while it was being printed yeah yeah normally there is normally a and now i don't know how often you do it with test screenings that's a whole different thing but it's very common to especially nowadays to shoot a film get into the post-production process start going through it putting it together and go okay we want to reshoot this stuff it happens with almost every movie nowadays mm-hmm. and you shoot some more famously than others like they're you know like uh supposedly uh rogue one they reshot like half of the movie or something like that mm-hmm. and same with solo they apparently reshot like a lot of the film but it's not nearly con- as controversial as people kind of make it no out no no be. and normally it's not quite as much as certain movies that have been most known for but it is it happens on every film mm-hmm. almost any big budget film and it makes perfect sense when you think about it because you shoot a movie the i've the chances of getting everything exactly right the first time are zero i mean pretty much and so the the idea the fact that you can go back i mean you never it's like writing a a, a paper or anything you never turn in the first draft well well Students Some do. people do. Students do. But generally, you wouldn't want to just turn in the first draft. So you shoot a movie and go, oh, okay, we can change the scene, we can do that. But normally you don't do that because of test screenings as much. Mm-hmm. Usually it's more of like the you know producers and everybody and kind of gets together and looks at it from my understanding and goes, ah, we should change this, we should do this. And I mean, you can usually make a better film if you have a, not too many people, not too many hands in the kitchen, but... And now can you clarify for me what exactly is a test screening? Test screening means they showed it to an actual audience. Okay, and that could be like anybody? Yeah, and I my understanding is generally test screenings they'll they get they pull people off the street in LA and say you want to watch a movie or or wherever. What an exciting time to be alive. Yeah, well this is, it's not as common anymore. There's still some test screening, but it's not as common anymore. I don't think. Anyways, so this one, they did it a bunch of times, and mm-hmm. they kept going back and, and, and cutting stuff out and adding stuff and changing stuff. So it's apparently a complete mess. So it's like a Frankenstein of a movie. Supposedly. There's a reason it's got 25% on I'm Rotten so Tomatoes. I'm so excited uh, to see what horrors this movie They completely rewrote the ending, supposedly. Completely changed okay, the ending right. from the, how they originally filmed it and edited it. They completely changed it upon some test screenings and, and people not liking it or something. So they changed the ending. So we'll see. If it, if they changed it to what the book ending is, or away, or who knows. But yes, that's that's the 2004 Stepford Wives. It's uh, it's gonna be a mess. Like I said, I wouldn't be opposed to going back eventually and and, and comparing it to the 1975. Yeah, I think that would be cool. I mean, we can even do like a special episode for that at some point or something. Yeah, if we wanted to. But anyways, cool. Stepford Wives next Tuesday. Well, then I guess until next time, keep reading books, keep watching movies, keep being awesome.